Are you an author who's tired of the long waits and low royalties? Exact Rush is here to change the game. We specialize in publishing with precision, and we get your book to market in just three to six months, not years. But we're not just about books. We also support your photography, web design, and content creation needs. Our focus ranges from spirituality to pop culture, and we're excited about our diverse lineup of upcoming releases. So if you're ready to keep more of your hard-earned money and get published faster, Exact Rush is your ticket. Visit exactrush.com and turn your creative dream into a profitable reality today. Tap into your most original thinking, organize your ideas, and create the opportunities to launch your creative work. Unlocking your world of creativity with best-selling author and brand innovator, Mark Stinson. Welcome back, friends, to our podcast, Unlocking Your World of Creativity. And we talk to singer-songwriters, authors, creative practitioners of all kinds. We've talked to filmmakers. We've talked to uh, Broadway musical writers. So we, we just have a good time talking to creators about their process and also their journey. And a lot of times the business side has to come in because our passion wants to meet profit. And that's a subject really close to the heart of our today's guest, Nisma Osman. Nisma, welcome to the program. Hello, hello. Happy to be here. It's good to have you. And I think as we delve into your many year music career, I love to start at the bottom of the resume. And I love that on your website, you said, I started with an expensive music degree. <laughs> <laughs> The expensive part always comes in, doesn't it? Yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Tell us how you got inspired to pursue this idea of uh, music, not just a passion, but a career. I would say music started for me fairly young. I can remember writing songs or attempting to write songs, I should say, as young as seven or eight. And then I just had the music bug. And I remember we had this old, out-of-tune, upright piano in our garage and I would just go out there and tinker with it and play with it. And I ended up teaching myself how to hear music that way. And then one thing led to another and I was, I picked up the guitar. And then when I was in middle school, actually, I had my first uh, experience in a recording studio. I must've been about 11 or 12. And they were not good. They were not good songs, but <laughs> it was still, it was cool. I was a kid and I was at school and I was like, hey, I just went to a recording studio. Look at me. And I just kept going from then. And in high school, I, I just did all the music stuff, the choir stuff and the musical stuff. And I decided I wanted to dive headfirst into this crazy industry of music. So yes. here we are all these years later. Here we are indeed. And I, I was reading about your creative process. Certainly there's the lyric, there's the melody. And then you talk about the concept of the mm -hmm. song. Uh, give us a little insight into that for you. I love that question because I'm a songwriting geek at heart. So whenever I get to talk about songwriting, I'm excited. So yeah, the concept is it's the heart of the song. It's what the song is about, so to speak. When I was at Berkeley, actually, the really expensive school, I was able to take a trip to Nashville. And there's a really prolific songwriter. His name is Gary Burr. And he was on stage doing like a Q&A. And he basically, he gave us this really golden nugget that, I'll, that I never forgot. And he said, every song is a love song. And it's basically what he was trying to communicate was that you have to figure out 
what your song is about and then write to that. So make sure that everything you're writing, your lyrics, your chorus, your hook, your pre-chorus, the word choices you're making, the rhyme schemes you're, you're choosing, everything has to write to what he called the North Star or your concept. And I always say, nothing new has been said in music. Everyone's basically said everything there is to say. The trick to a great song is saying something that's been said already, but in a new way. And that's where your concept comes in. Because if you have an interesting concept, for example, a metaphor song like Yellow Submarine or something that's not exactly what you're trying to say, but represents it in a creative way, that really creative concept is going to be what lasts in terms of the effectiveness of and the punch that the song has. Yeah, I geeked out for a minute, but that's that. <laughs> no, I love that. And learning from these masters and these mentors. It's oh, yeah. funny you mentioned Yellow Submarine because I've been reading Paul McCartney's book, The Lyrics. Yeah, he says the same thing. It's, yes, I'm Paul McCartney, but that doesn't mean I didn't hear a Who song and get that right. little stutter effect for a change. And exactly. then, oh, wait a second, David Bowie then took that from me. So yep. just one thing is leading uh, to Absolutely. another, isn't it? You've studied a lot of these songwriting techniques with some of these mentors and masters. Tell us about that. Yes, I had a really great opportunity in 2018 to work with, not work with, but study with pop songwriting legend Cara Dioguardi. She's written tons of music. A lot of people know her. Unfortunately, they know her from hosting American Idol for a short stint. Mm -hmm. But really, she's behind some of the biggest pop songs in modern history. She wrote for Pink and Jason Derulo, Kelly Clarkson, just to name a few. And she put on this three-day songwriting boot camp in New York City. And it was like a by application only and we got and there was like maybe 15 of us that got to go and she basically just <laughs> she we she threw us in rooms with a the groups of us for three days and said write songs you have a day to write and produce a song and then she would come in and listen to what we had destroy our hopes and dreams and then we would start over no <laughs> pick no, your she, pick your shell of a person back up <laughs> exactly yeah cry a little bit wipe the yes. tears and then start yeah no that was amazing and she just she's really an incredible incredibly talented writer and she's an incredible person and it was it was really a privilege to get to do that and just it was so intense and inspiring and just really a, a special memory it's been a long time coming it's been a long time coming been a long time Yeah, cause I 
And I guess that brings us then. Obviously, you applied these techniques because now you have hundreds of songs with your own credits for multiple artists. And I want to get to this idea of sync and licensing placements on film and TV shows. I think yeah. a lot of singer-songwriters think if I'm not a, in a stool on a bar at an open mic, I'm not getting my music out into the world or if I don't get thousands of Spotify downloads. But there there's some other angles. And I think yeah. uh, that takes us to the business side for you. Oh, yeah. That's an excellent point with the whole Spotify barstool thing. So sync licensing is something that I actually got into on accident when I was like 13. It's a cool story. I was at a local singer-songwriter convention near my hometown, and they were doing like a what like a mini American Idol. And I went up there and I sang this song that I had written and I messed up and I was so nervous. I thought I did a crap job. And then after I finished a publisher or one of the guys, I didn't know he was a publisher. He came up to me and he said, I think your song would do really well in TV. And I was like, okay, great. Tell me more. Mind you, I'm 13. I have no idea what's going yes, on. What are, what are you talking you know? about? <laughs> and I don't have any like parental supervision there. I'm just basically, it's me and my 13 year old brain. And, but he ended up being a really awesome guy. And he, and that, that's, he ended up helping me to record that song. And it's been, it was my foray into the music licensing world. And it, that song has gotten placed so many times from that day back in, I think it was like 2010 or something. But then, yeah, so then I, I forgot, not forgot about it, but it, I had to finish school and be a kid. And then I got reintroduced to sync licensing by a woman named Kathy Heller. She was doing like a, she was doing like a podcast similar to this. And I had heard about it and I was like, oh yeah, I did that way back then. Maybe I should get back into it. And this was like when I was finishing college. And so I jumped right back into it and it, it just became my focus. I started getting some success after a, a couple iterations. And then here we are. That was like seven years ago. Yes. And these placements, folks, we're not talking about esoteric TV and film. We're talking about USA Network, Bravo, yeah. E, Own, and more. Yeah, the stuff we watch. So <laughs> this, this is legit. Tell us a, a little bit, and obviously we don't have time for a masterclass on sync placements, but sure. uh, what is the general step-by-step -step process that you went through to get these songs placed? Yeah, so the quick 411 is essentially... I like to say, I like to give like a top-down visual. So the top is the TV show or the film, and I like to call that the, the production company. So let's say Target, for this example, they have a new commercial that they need music for. So Target has on their team a music supervisor, and it's this person's job to actually find the music. What the music supervisor will then do is they will go and reach into their basket of music licensing agencies and musicians. So the music licensing agencies, they're the companies that work to act as the middle people between the music makers and the music supervisors. So they curate catalogs of music that works for film and TV. And then of course, that's after that is where the musicians come in. We submit, we create and submit our music to these licensing agencies for representation in those catalogs. And then hopefully they pitch the music and it gets placed. So that's the simple way of how it, how it goes down. So essentially as a musician, you want to be looking to build relationships with music licensing agencies. Fantastic. 
So if I'm a singer-songwriter out there right now saying, oh, this sounds intriguing, where should we look? You should definitely talk to me, and I can definitely help you. Well, at I least knew that was uh, to... idea number one. <laughs> yes, talk to me. I, it's, I love to do that and help artists get connected and get started in that way. But if you want to go the DIY route, I would just say do a quick YouTube search of music licensing, a couple videos. YouTube University will get you acquainted enough with the the industry to know more or less what to expect. And then the, th the thing I would do right after that is go on Facebook and if you have Facebook or LinkedIn and search music licensing groups, sync licensing groups, and there's tons of free, free ones. And then join a couple and just start paying attention to what people are talking about. Make some friends, try to get on some co-writes, see what you can do, and then slowly you'll find your way. That's how I did it. And it, it took me seven years plus to get to that, to the point where I'm at now. But if you want to do it the DIY way, then mm -hmm. I would definitely say start there. Mm -hmm. And you touch on the seven years. There, There is this uh, myth, of course, of the instant success and the right. overnight superstar. But that's not real world, is it? No, it's not. No. <laughs> Unfortunately, even if you think it happens, it doesn't. There's always something happening for years behind the scenes. And yeah, it just takes the time. Got to yes. put in the time. Yes. On my lips, I wear sex on my nails. You tell me I'm too much, but I've only just begun. I cut checks in my heels, go straight for the kill. You say don't be uptight, so I'll do it with a smile. Sick of always trying to prove myself. No more pleasing everybody. And I guess the, touching on the idea of sharing and coaching and empowering these future and, and up and coming songwriters that you work with, there was something about your experience the, with the mentors and the teachers you had, both out in the world and at school. But this has given you the encouragement to help others. And I'm curious wh where that comes from, the heart, really. Why is it that you want to now coach and mentor the up-and-coming artists? That's a great question, and I'm grateful you asked it because it's something that I don't think we talk about enough, and it's, it's a loaded answer, but the gist of it is the techn the technological revolution, and follow me here, with streaming and Spotify, as you mentioned a little earlier, it's created um, a, a solution and a problem. And the solution is that anybody can release their music. That also happens to be the problem because what it's done is it's created this huge oversupply compared to the si similar demand. So yes, you can release music without any 
without anything but a couple of bucks and some recording gear, which is amazing. But at the same time, because you can do that, everybody else can do that. And so now it's even harder, potentially harder than it was years before this technology to rise above the noise. And so what I see this, what I see as a result of this is artist burnout mm. and so many talented, hardworking artists who cannot figure out how to work the system to be able to actually build some sort of financial pathway out. So what that's, that's heartbreaking to watch because eventually what's going to happen is the few that have the resources, the time, the energy, whatever to continue until they figure it out, will do that. And that's great. But the majority are going to get burnt out. They're going to run out of motivation, inspiration, money, time, whatever it is. And I hate to see that happen, especially when there is this other really lucrative pathway in sync licensing that doesn't require any of the posting to social media, any of trying to get on the playlists, all this stuff that's so exhausting and so disheartening when it feels like we're shouting to a wall. At least that's how it feels to me. So that's my a big piece of my motivation behind this is to be like, hey, come here, let me show you this other way. Don't worry. I get it. I see you. I see the struggle. You don't have to do that. Just come on over here and look at this great other thing. And I'm hoping I can pull a couple of people with me. I love that. And I, I love the fact that we're overlapping creative technique, the songwriting aspects of things, but also this kind of real world business side. Uh, yeah. I've had several now managers, uh, also artists, but managers talk about being the CEO of your own creative business. So you oh, yeah. have to be the record producer. You have to be the artist management and so forth, artist development for yourself in order to pull that through. Because that's the point, right? To get our work out into the world. If we're just playing in our bedrooms, that's one thing. But yeah. we do want to get the work out. Absolutely. How, how have you found that balance? And especially now as you try to teach up-and-coming songwriters, how are you teaching them to balance? You're the artist and you're the management. Yeah. I have found that it's all about getting really clear with yourself on what you ultimately want to be doing day to day. And then building systems to be able to outsource the things you don't want to do when it makes sense because you look at a ceo of a company they're not the accountant also they're not <laughs> the marketing manager also they're directing the accountant and they're directing the marketing manager but at some point it makes more sense for them to hire out especially to hire people who are better than them at that particular skill so at first yeah it's about learning how to be that producer, learning how to be that marketing person, enough to be able to make some forward motion. But then it's also about knowing, okay, I've got some traction here. Now it's time for me to give the reins over to somebody who can do it better than me, who gets my vision, who believes in my music, who believes in me. We vibe and work together as a partnership to help move the thing forward. Mm -hmm. So that's how I've been able to balance that out is knowing when I need to step back actually and let somebody else do it instead. And like basically knowing what my strengths and weaknesses are and where I shine and outsourcing the rest. Yes. 
And if we think of it as a business, we've got to think of profit and loss. We've got to think of income and yep. revenue. The money has to hit the jar, as it yep. were. <laughs> so thinking about that cash flow, you're right. You've got to look at all the avenues, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, very yeah. good. As you think ahead and think about the uh, listeners that might be uh, joining us here in our conversation, what insights do you have as we look forward to what's coming? We've talked about streaming. We've talked about licensing and so forth. Well, do you see anything over the horizon that we need to be uh, keeping our eyes on? I just watched a documentary on Quincy Jones and Michael Jackson putting together Thriller. And it was like two years before MTV. But they knew there was a thing called MTV coming. Nobody but Quincy Jones would say, you know, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm planning for the future two years from oh, now yeah. when this album comes out, right? And oh, Michael yeah. wanting to make films instead of videos. But uh, is there anything that you've been having your antenna up for? By the way, you need to share that documentary with me. Okay, uh, I will do that. Yes, for sure. So I don't know if you're aware of, or listeners are aware, but Spotify recently announced that they are introducing a a streaming threshold, minimum threshold to receive payouts. So basically they've said your songs need to have at least a thousand streams in order to be eligible for payout. Now, to give you some perspective, 1000 streams entitles you to approximately three cents. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) it's not a huge loss, but it is a, it is communication from them in the direction they're moving. So they're saying, okay, it was hard to make money before, now it's three cents harder. Mm-hmm. And if, and of course, if you think of it cumulatively and in terms of how the money flows in their system, it makes sense, but it's another reason to redirect some of your energy from the streaming towards something else that has a, a more secure or higher rate of return for your effort. So I would say just keep that in the back of your mind as you go along submitting your music and, you know, counting up your pennies. Yeah, that's what I'll say. Uh, that's good insight. Nisma, what a pleasure talking with you. Where can we find you, your work, and make that connection where we can learn from you? Yeah, you can reach me on my website. It's just nismaosman.com. And you can book a you can just reach me there. You can chat with me, book a call, free call, just to see what's up and say hi. Or you can reach me on Instagram at, at Nisma Osman. Oh, fantastic. What a great discussion. And listeners, I hope you've enjoyed this. She's given us a roadmap. There were several bullet points. If you weren't driving or operating heavy machinery, you could take notes, rewind the tape here, and go back and take notes. We've also got a lot of great contacts and insights that Nisma has shared. A real roadmap for the future of this intersection. I liked what we've uh, found, the overlap between the creativity, the business, the mentorship and education. It's a really dynamic world. I love the world of music. There are so many facets to it, but you've uh, really narrowed the field of what we need to be thinking about, and uh, it's much appreciated. My guest has been Nisma Osman, and you can find her, as she said, on those channels. I'll put those in the show notes so we all can find them. And listeners, come back again next time. We're going to continue our around-the-world journeys. We've been talking to creative practitioners on all corners of the world about how they get inspired, how they organize ideas, and as we've heard today, making the connections and getting the confidence to launch our work out into the world. So until next time, I'm Mark Stinson, 
and we've been unlocking your world of creativity. Unlocking your world of creativity with best-selling author and brand innovator, Mark Stinson. This program was produced by BSB Media, creators of IntelliKey Leadership Stories, Unlocking Your World of Creativity, and ThePeaceRoom.Love. Hi there, fellow content creators. It's Mark Stinson, the host of Unlocking Your World of Creativity. I'll be a judge for the upcoming Live Podcast Awards. The Live Podcast Awards is your chance to be recognized globally for your high-caliber content. Now, if you've entered the Live Podcast Awards, I and my panel of judges will be reviewing your podcast or live stream and your achievements in many diverse categories. Now, we've got a great judging committee. There's a really robust point scoring system. There'll be networking opportunities, all sorts of ways to join this celebration among podcasters and live streamers. So the awards description, all online at livepodcastmedia.com slash livepodcast-awards. I look forward to seeing your entries.